everybody, Cora here. Welcome back to Rev on Air, the Rev on Vera podcast, and to my fifth episode in our collaborative series with Farmers Footprint on the power of regeneration to help people and the planet. This next guest is the founder of a clean beauty brand that you very well may have heard of, but did not know was using regenerative agriculture in the majority of its sourcing. True Botanicals has been a clean beauty favorite of mine, but to learn that their founder, Hilary Peterson, was a cancer survivor on a mission to detoxify skincare and help heal the planet at the same time made me know that this was a brand that needed to join us in the conversation of how we bring regenerative principles into all types of businesses. Before I tell you a bit more about Hillary, I just want to say a quick thank you to our lovely sponsor, Milkio, for making this episode possible. Currently servicing the San Francisco Bay and Los Angeles areas, Milky Oat provides postpartum nourishment for new mothers and parents through organic meals, snacks, and elixirs to help support recovery after birth. They use only the best organic and sustainably sourced ingredients for all of their dishes, and each meal is carefully thought out to ensure that new parents are getting the nutrients they need to support themselves and baby during the first few weeks. To find out more about Milky Oat and to explore their services, head to milkyoat.com. That's M-I-L-K-Y-O-A-T dot com. And now on to my conversation with Hillary Peterson, founder of True Botanicals. At the age of just 32, just after giving birth to beautiful twin babies, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. She describes that moment as a wake-up call and took a serious look at how she could better support her health in every way possible. With this new awareness, Hillary tried searching for skincare products that gave her the results that she wanted without risking exposure to toxins. Her search was unsuccessful. So she boldly took the problem into her own hands and set out to challenge the status quo of skincare. Today, her and I chat about the things she discovered on her journey, what clean beauty means to her, and so importantly, how True Botanicals is supporting regenerative agriculture around the world through their sourcing. This is a conversation about health, ethical business and permaculture and beauty. And I can't wait to share it with you all. So now over to Hillary. Thank you so much, Hillary. I am so excited to have this conversation about regeneration in the skincare space. I'm a huge personal fan of True Botanicals and- Thank you. (laughs) It's it's a great one. And I'm just very interested in hearing about how farming and skincare can really, you know, go hand in hand and making that connection for our listeners. And you guys are doing such a beautiful job of it. So thank you um, for joining me today. And, you know, I just kind of want to start at the very beginning. and, And I know that you had some personal experiences that led you into the beauty space. And can you just give us a little bit of a background on your sort of journey into it? Sure, absolutely. Well, Cora, it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. And sure, I'll start at the beginning. Um, my story starts with the igniting moment of a cancer diagnosis in my early 30s and my subsequent search for clean products. And what I found is that the products I tried did not offer the efficacy or the sensorial experience that I was looking for which ultimately led me on a mission to prove that products that prioritize the health of people and the planet can be the most effective. Guided by leading anti-aging scientists, green chemists, sustainability experts, I created a line that delivered clinically proven results while formulating with ingredients that are undeniably safe. 
And that's, that's how it all started. Well, you know, I think because you have an experience, you know, we are talking a little bit about, um, cancer and other diagnoses like these with the farmer's footprint collaboration, because Zach obviously started his career in, in this exact field of, of right. chemotherapy specifically. And, you know, when him and I were chatting, he was like, you know, my God, it's like when I first started, it was one in four and then it was one in three and now it's one in two of us that's getting a cancer diagnosis. And how did you, given that you've lived through this yourself, you know, how did you sort of go from that moment, which I would imagine is, is quite, you know, it's scary. It's I'm sure, you know, disarming and, and all of the things I can only imagine, but how did you sort of go from that to thinking about like skincare specifically and, and what you were putting on your body and the absorption of skins, but like, how did you start to make these connections? So, you know, I think as so many people do when they've had an experience with cancer, I stepped back and I looked at my diet. I I looked at ways to really feel grounded um, throughout my day, like meditation, you know, stress reduction, whatever I could do to support optimal health. I had baby twins and I wanted to be around a long time. And I had not even thought of looking at my skincare. And then I heard a study on the radio about skincare products, toxins and skincare products. And I read more, I looked into it. And then I looked at my products that I was using and they were loaded with endocrine disrupting chemicals. And I had no idea. And I'd had an endocrine cancer, thyroid cancer. And I just immediately knew that's completely unnecessary. That makes no sense to me. You know, our skin is our largest organ. And if healthy potent ingredients from nature are good for our bodies, of course, they would be good for our largest organ, our skin. And there was no one who was going to convince me that toxins were necessary, you know? And so I looked into it, I researched and what I found is that was absolutely true. Um, so that's really how I identified the need. And then, as I mentioned, you know, I went out there and started trying clean products and I thought, well, wait a minute, these don't seem as effective as I would like them to be. They don't seem as luxurious. I feel like skincare can be such a beautiful, sensorial, luxurious experience. And so I really saw that there was an opportunity to create a product line that didn't ask people to make compromises. Yeah. And just just to back up a little bit, because I feel like this word endocrine disrupting is yes. out there a lot, but for someone who maybe doesn't know exactly what that is, can you speak a little bit about that and, and how it is in our skincare or how these endocrine disruptors are in skincare products? Yes. So, you know, in the end, most, most of the time I actually talk about endocrine disrupting chemicals and toxins interchangeably because what's bad for our endocrine system is bad for our body and vice versa. So lots of toxins in skincare and specifically endocrine disruptors and you know, um, our endocrine system really runs our whole body. I mean, having lost a thyroid, I really understand how it affects metabolism, energy, you name it. Um, and so those chemicals, I think for one thing, they were easy for people to, to measure, to understand how toxins were specifically impacting the endocrine system. And, you know, I, I've read articles, you know, one really interesting article from a medical journal was about how so many cats are ending up with thyroid cancer. 
And that's because they're licking their paws. You know, they're out there picking up all these environmental toxins and licking their paws, you know, in the house, out of the house, cleaning products. Um, I doubt people are putting personal care products on their cats. But um, so that was where initially my interest in specific endocrine disruptors came about was just because that's what was being talked about. That was sort of the first area that I became aware of. And then since then, I mean, just environmental toxins, personal care product toxins, you know, our understanding of how these ingredients are impacting our bodies just continues to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's sort of terrifying almost like when you start to think about, I mean, you know, even things like fragrances and perfumes and, and all of these things that like, they just seem so innocuous until you start to look into them and the health scares are, it's, it's real. So yes, it's very real. And without being, you know, terrifying, I feel like the very hopeful and wonderful thing is that it's becoming much more mainstream to talk about, you know, clean skincare. I know that like organic beauty, you know, clean skincare. I was talking to somebody on our marketing team and they were like, the SEO on this stuff is just incredible because, you know, it's almost just, it's just through the roof. So right. On that vein of hopefulness that like the industry is changing and people are becoming more aware, you know, when you started True Botanicals, how did you think about how you were going to source things? You know, like what was ground zero for you really in terms of what you felt would be appropriate to put in your clean skincare line? Because I think also it's getting very confusing with greenwashing, right? It's like you have huge corporations now saying the word natural or green or clean and of course these things aren't regulated there's no there's no stopping anyone from like putting you know natural skincare or plant derived or whatnot on their products so can you speak a little bit about the integrity for you of of what you wanted to do with true botanicals and how you sort of started to define what this would mean in in your mind and and put into to action when you built the line absolutely so so starting with the beginning of your question surrounding ingredients, you know, uh, ingredients are at the heart of what, what makes any product perform to the level that we expect our products to perform. And so at the start, we really focus on sourcing the most potent ingredients from around the world. It's, it's potency, efficacy. What are the products that are going to deliver the results um, that offer a better path to anti-aging than, you know, people are used to. And so we start with potency always. And from there, you know, there's no reason that you can't source the very best ingredients and have them be organic, regenerative farmed, wild harvested. So, you know, we, we start with potency, knowing that it's imperative that we deliver the results that people are seeking. And then from there, we make sure that when we source ingredients, we do it in a way that best supports the health of people on the planet. And specific to greenwashing, washing, we planted a really firm stake in the ground with our Made Safe certification. And we said that our products will be Made Safe certified, assuring that every single ingredient and sub-ingredient that we use is safe for people and the planet. It's an incredibly rigorous certification, and sometimes it's a lot of work, paperwork, you know, it just getting all of the information and making sure that everything is what we think it is, then 
MadeSafe independently certifies that truth. And it's incredibly rewarding for us to know that our products are undeniably safe. Um, and then I think in the end, you know, what's really interesting about greenwashing and clean washing is, is we're just not wanting to get into the discussion like our clean is better than your clean. You know, in the end, we really have focused on our results, doing clinical trials and knowing we don't need toxins to achieve those results. And it's been really helpful not to focus on that conversation. Um, I think people can really get dragged into it. We just, here's our undeniable proof made safe certification. Now back to the business of skincare. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is why, you know, we can help your skin look and feel its best. Um, so that's how we've approached it. You know, it's tough. It, it, it's happening in all industries, I really think, where, where, innovators are focusing on sustainability. And, you know, I, I heard in an interview one time, and I love this so much, and he's remained an inspiration for me. Uh, I think it was Bob Roll asked Zach Bush, well, what are you doing about all those conventional farmers who are using glyphosate? And, and he was so great. He just said, you know what? They're not my problem. I, I, just, I apologize. Now I'm paraphrasing because I don't really know the exact sentence, but he basically said, that's not my problem. My, my problem is to help to build awareness around a better solution, that there's no reason not to do it. And they will become the dinosaurs that they will be based on what happens to their topsoil, you know, and, and how those conventional practices impact their productivity over time. And I love that. And that's really something that we think a lot about in terms of how we approach clean beauty, that we just, we're going to do the right thing and we're going to focus on results. And then even if somebody doesn't really care about toxins in their skincare products, that's fine. They just, you know, they won't miss them. <laughs> so exactly. And I love that. I love that sort of like, you know, that sort of forward thinking of just like, you know, we're going to, we're going to move forward. We're going to do it in the way that we know how to. And I've realized that over time is like, you know, you're not going to solve every single one of the world's problems or convert every single person on earth. But if you focus on the changes and impacts that you can make, it's, it's often a much nicer, easier, and almost, you know, more effective road to travel down. And I feel like, you know, on that theme, Hillary, we spoke about the fact that for you guys, your sourcing is by far your business biggest expenditure in the business. And what I loved was that you sort of said, and what's so cool about that is it, it's the biggest muscle we can flex. And right. I kind of want to get into that because there is a lot of concerns that, you know, regenerative farming isn't scalable. You know, it, it, it's all well and good if you want to go to your local regenerative farm and buy some kale and, you know, do that or whatnot. But, you know, in a, in a big way, this is not able to be scalable. So based on your own personal experiences and having scaled something like this, I would love to hear your take on, on that and how you guys have sort of, how you guys have sort of put your money where your mouths are really. Yeah. I think in the end, our sourcing practices, as you say, we're flexing our biggest muscle by sourcing in a way that supports, supports sustainable farming. And it might not be scalable in that each of these small farms want to become mass producers, 
but it is certainly scalable when you think about smallholder farming and having that become a much larger, that's how it used to be. And so I think supporting these smaller farms um, makes so much sense for the health of people on the planet. And and it's really exciting to see that the larger farms are getting more interested in regenerative farming because they are seeing the impacts on topsoil and they're seeing the impacts on, on water use. So I think sort of hitting it from both sides makes a lot of sense. And for our type of brand that use a lot of different ingredients, over 70% of our ingredients are sustainably farmed. And we have sustainability stories from all around the world. And basically how we've approached it in terms of scale is to say, we will prioritize organic, wild harvested, regenerative farmed ingredients above all others. And we're really pushing regenerative farming now, the more we learn about it through incredible organizations like Farmers Footprint, the more we see how it can be a big part of the solution for the health of people on the planet. So we're very excited about supporting that. And, you know, one thing that we find really exciting as a company is that we have sustainability stories from all around the world um, regarding the farmers that we've been su supporting and how we're supporting, you know, other communities. So for instance, I actually got to visit our sandalwood farm that's on the big island of Hawaii and had been overrun by years of cattle ranching. And now this owners have successfully reforested the land, reviving sandalwood, um, as well as bringing back water, wildlife that's all been missing for generations. And, you know, those are the kinds of stories where th th there's no downside to that. So in terms of it being scalable, I mean, he would be the first to say this is the smartest way to farm sandalwood. It, it's it's not only because it's the right thing, it's actually from a business perspective, it makes sense. Um, and then we support a Moringa farm right now in Ghana where they've helped plant over 3 million Moringa trees. And that also makes business sense. You know, just the sustainability ongoing of more trees, also how that is supporting their farming efforts and, and you know, the, the decreasing the impacts of, of climate change on, you know, their daily work. Um, we have an organic ginger essential oil farm um, in Madagascar, and they do something so simple, but incredibly innovative, which is they reserve two tons every year of the fresh ginger for the following year so that farmers are pre-financed, providing that capital of the two tons of ginger um, and more stability for those farmers. So I feel like there's so much problem solving happening that makes so much sense. And again, to your point, how can that not be scalable? That just, it just makes good sense. You know, it's, it's good for those farmers. It's good for the land in terms of how they're farming and it's good for the future. Well, and I think speaking of the future, you know, something that we often don't maybe think of, but we're starting to see more and more is like, you know, you read these dire reports of like, <laughs> I'm drinking coffee right now. So I'm thinking of it like, it's like, will climate change get rid of coffee beans? You know, will climate change get rid of wine? And everybody's like, what? No, not the wine, not the coffee, you know? Um, because it will become so hard to grow these crops and keep them, you know, stable. And I suppose this makes a really interesting point that you just kind of made me think of is, is there's, you know, that would be the same with 
any product that we use, including our skincare. You know, if we let climate change get so bad that we can't grow anything, uh, there's so much drought, there's no biodiversity left, there's no topsoil. I mean, you know, it's going to become a lot harder and more expensive to source any ingredients at all. So this is sort of preventative measures right across the board for long-term business, I would assume as well. Yes, I think, you know, everything that we're doing focuses on sustainability um, for the health of people on the planet. And in the end, if if you're thinking about it now, it definitely paves the way for a more, more sustainable future. And I do get really inspired by how these different farmers in drought stricken areas are being so innovative, but also it's just incredibly rewarding to offer support, you know, to, to help educate around if you plant these trees, you, you will um, be able to preserve more water in your soil. It will help your annual crops thrive. You know, it's, it's really wonderful that these solutions are out there and that um, there are organizations that, that are helping to educate and, and help to sort of shore up stability in the future. Yeah. You know, and I feel like speaking of support, when we first spoke, you, you told this really beautiful story about your neighbor in Vermont that was farming calendula in a really great way. And I'd love for you to sort of tell that story because I just thought it was such a great example of also how, you know, community and, and human connection can really be at like the, at the crux of so many of these things. Cause it does feel like another missing piece with regeneration and sustainability and climate change is how, you know, how, how disjointed the human experience can be sometimes now with like social media and, 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 and all of these things that we worry about a little bit in terms of losing that connection. So can you, can you tell us a bit about, you know, how you've sort of worked locally and, and in, on a personal level as well? Absolutely. You know, my interest in farms and farming really started with um, the experience of taking my kids to the farmer's market every week and having a chance to talk to the farmers and understanding how hard they worked and feeling their connection to the land and feeling that connection with our food. And, you know, it ultimately led to an interest on the part of our children and my husband and me in farms and farming. And, and we now have a farm, we have an apple farm in Vermont. And as part of being here, we've continued these conversations with lo local farmers about, you know, what their challenges are and, and um, you know, their hopes for what are generally smaller farms, all of our neighboring farms. And we just realized it would be really interesting to support them, you know, in any ways that we could, particularly with my connections to the beauty industry. And so I was just chatting with our next door neighbor who has a beautiful farm and she grows some flowers and some herbs. And I realized that one of our biggest ingredients was calendula oil. And I asked her if she might be interested in supplying that ingredient for us. And she actually at that time wasn't pressing ingredients. She was just drying them. And so she found somebody who could cold press the calendula oil for her, a local person. And now she, um, and now she supplies all of the calendula oil for our products. And that's one of our um, bigger ingredients. And it's so fun for me because I can actually look right over there and see the, the calendula growing and she's a regenerative farmer. And um, 
you know, she's, she's got a young family and uh, she's keeping a lifestyle alive that, that I really admire. And um, it's just really great to have those connections. It's, yeah. And it's such a, it's such a great story about, you know, it, it's funny too. I feel like I was reading this article. It's like, is farming the new luxury. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, you know, it, we kind of laugh, but it is, when you say like she's maintaining a lifestyle, I think it's like for many of us, we're realizing that actually like getting back to the soil, getting back to the earth, getting back to nature, like it's so important to, to health, to sustainability, to all of these things. We've gone so far. I feel like my mom always talks about how like the pendulum swings, you know, it feels like the pendulum swang, so, so, sw- has swung so far away from earth and now it's kind of coming back in this direction and it's really beautiful to hear about those connections and I feel like you know when we talk about regeneration I'm really curious to know what sort of led you into the idea of farmers footprint and what they were doing and and specifically I love I love the idea that, you know, you spoke about with soil health and the microbiome and the connection here. So, so can you tell me a little bit about your sort of interest in this and how you decided that like the regenerative movement was the right fit for like true botanicals to be looking into and and all that side of things? Sure, absolutely. So we're, we're always seeking to do better. Sustainability is a journey. It's certainly not a destination. And, you know, so for example, you know, initially we really focused on organic ingredients. And at that time, I couldn't source some of my favorite ingredients, for instance, red raspberry seed oil as an organic ingredient. We kept it in the product and we kept using as much organic as we could. Now we can claim organic red raspberry seed oil because you can find it. Um, And so I've always been really clear that it's a progression Um, it's a journey and we've continually sought out how to support sustainability on a higher and higher level as we grow as a business. And so I was very interested when I heard about regenerative farming, it was actually through a friend who works at Patagonia and she was sharing with me um, their regenerative farming initiatives and, and why that was important and um, their interest in regenerative farming. And then at the same time, my sister, who's an acupuncturist, told me about this amazing guy, Zach Bush, and the microbiome. She and I are always talking about the microbiome because, you know, when you think about something like probiotics, for instance, because she's an acupuncturist, she's very involved in, in her clients' supplements. And we would debate probiotics, pro, con. And when Zach Bush talks about the microbiome of the biodiversity of bacteria in the soil and how that impacts human health and how we need to have that level of biodiversity in our gut. And then of course, because I'm so focused on skin, biodiversity on the skin. So our products are actually certified to be microbiome friendly. We feel it's really important not to do things to the skin that would be counterproductive because you know respecting nature's design and intelligence is a really important part of of what we do. And so as soon as she mentioned all that I started listening to podcasts and I really learned a lot, you know, from what he had to say and and I I feel so committed to supporting biodiversity in the soil, 
personally in my gut, you know, I think that's really important. I love working out of my garden and figure that's always a good thing for, for my health. Um, and then, you know, very importantly for my business on the skin. Yeah. And it's so funny. I always think my mom and I joke about this because when I was younger and we were in our garden and we'd pull up something, I'd like go to like clean a carrot. And my mom was like, just dust it off and like get some of the dirt and like eat it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not eating dirt mom. And she, I, she was like, no, what did she used to say? A little dirt won't hurt. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, your grandmother always like used to make us eat like our vegetables not washed because she said that you needed to get a little dirt in you. And it's funny because it's, it's like we knew these things, right? but we lost them along the way. You know, it's like, we lost them in this very sterilized, like everything, you know, you go to the supermarket now, it's like, there is not a single piece of fruit that doesn't just look absolutely perfect, you know? And right. it's like, we've lost this idea that, actually like it's not bad to be interacting with the soil and in fact it could be quite healthy for us and I think when you said that your your products were like microbiome certified like what does that mean because I like I didn't even know that and that sounds incredible to me um so so can you dive into that a little sure absolutely so I mean just as an example looking at cleansers cleansers can be so harsh and stripping and that's really the last thing that you want to do for your skin because you're just drying it up. And, you know, if if they have harsh preservatives, those harsh preservatives, you can imagine, will certainly have an impact on your microbiome. So using products that respect the biodiversity, bioholistic, our products are bioholistic. So they really look at what makes healthy skin healthy and then support that versus doing anything that might be counterproductive. Okay. I, I get that. And so now that we're talking about certification and, you know, some of the labels that you guys have worked with, it, it does strike another question I have, which is how you guys were, and especially because you have to go through the made safe sort of, you know, parameters, which I know are very stringent. How do you, but you said that you do want to work with a lot of small farms and something that we've been talking about actually, and I've learned more about since partnering with Farmers Footprint and learning so much from the team there is that it can be really expensive for small brands and small farmers to go through these rigorous tests. And, and it's something that, you know, we're hoping some of like, you know, the, the money that we raise in this capacity maybe could go towards, but it's, how, how do you guys work on that? Because, you know, how do you figure out a way to work with the small farmers who might not be able to afford the certification, but also like you might need that certification to get them down the made safe route? Like, how do you navigate that as like quite a large business? So that's where we're very careful with our wording around something like regenerative farmed. You know, we don't claim that all of our ingredients are regenerative farmed, but we as a company set the intention to support regenerative farmers. So in that way, I mean, Made Safe is very black and white. They are looking at um, the composition of our ingredients and making sure that they don't contain the toxins that ultimately bioaccumulate in humans and the planet. But when it comes to farming, it's what we prioritize, organic, wild harvested, regenerative farmed. Organic is certified. Mm -hmm. Wild harvested, you need to know 
Alice Waters said, if you want to know what's in your food, get to know your farmers. So we really look into who our farming partners are. Um, and we're continually pushing to do better. Um, we actually recently were talking to a farmer that doesn't have a regenerative farm certification. And we were interestingly, like you said, thinking about it'd be interesting to have a, a program where maybe we can help support that. So we're trying to continually support the path forward. Um, we're definitely trying to educate. I think what's going to make it easier, you know, I just did an article um, last year in Forbes about regenerative farming. So we're talking about it a lot. As consumers demand more, it's going to be easier for farmers to pay for those certifications. Because the amazing thing about skincare ingredients is once you've harvested something and you've pressed it into an oil, that's a whole different level of stability than, you know, a flower that is going to look great. For instance, she sells flowers also to the local market. That's going to look great for a week and then that's it, you know? And so we do offer some stability as well for farmers in terms of being able to harvest press and have more on shelf stability. So I just think as demand increases, it will be easier for those farmers to get those certifications. And the reason I have that confidence is because that is absolutely what we've seen in organic. You know, at first organic skincare ingredients was somewhat of a fringe thing. Now it's something that's much more heavily demanded. And those organic certifications are um, broadly available. And it's, it's, so, it's so funny you brought up Alice Waters because she is the second person I interviewed for this podcast series. Um, oh, how fantastic. <laughs> I know. She, oh my God. It was, it was quite a conversation. She, she's extraordinary. Um, but, you know, she, I asked her a question about, you know, same sort of like, how do you define this thing of regeneration within the food space? And she very similarly said, you know, you have got to talk to farmers, you have got to know who's, and she said, like, we still do at Chez Panisse. All these years later, we still work with some of the same farmers that we started with back, you know, in the 1970s. So she was like, it's those relationships and those conversations are extremely important. And you get to know that like these farmers, you know, care so much about the land and they care so much about the ingredients. And then that relationship ends up on, in her case, it's like the plate and, and that's yeah. where the extraordinary things happen. And would you, I'm just curious, would you say that there's a similarity with skincare in that, like when you speak to these farmers and you get to know the people that are producing the ingredients, like it inevitably results in something that's just more extraordinary on your skin because you know the people at the ground level really really care about what they're doing and and how they're engaging with the earth absolutely because just as it does with food you know the quality of ingredients is impacted by the quality of the soil by the care in which they're harvested and then pressed so 100% our suppliers who are committed to quality help to make the quality of our products what it is yeah so the most beautiful essential oils you know creating this incredibly glorious luxurious experience you know the sandalwood that I mentioned earlier in the conversation when I use a product that has that sandalwood in it I, I just think of that farm and the care that he's put into it and the quality of ingredient that he's producing it's it definitely stands out yeah. And I feel like one last thing I wanted to just pick up on with, with true botanicals and your skincare in particular, that 
I kind of had stored away is that I think at the beginning you said that you guys work with like over 70 different ingredients or you have a lot of ingredients in your skincare and we do. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because whilst we're just finishing off this topic of biodiversity and regeneration, I find it really interesting because there's also, we get, we get people writing in at Rev all the time when we do features on beauty or new skincare routines or whatnot. Um, you know, people are like, beauty can seem so complicated. Like, does it have to be this complicated? It's simple best is, is more, more is more less, you know? And, and whilst I've got an expert, I'm so curious to, to hear your response to this and why you guys have focused on having actually quite a few ingredients that you combine into your products. Right. Um, well, I think, you know, when I mentioned bioholistic and looking at how skin functions and the types of ingredients that can best support skin, there's a beautiful broad variety of ingredients that can work together to best do that job. So, and we keep finding new ingredients that add to the quality of what we're offering. So for instance, a new ingredient that we sourced, I would guess it was now two years, three years ago that we identified Chibula. Um, it's harvested in compliance with India's National Biodiversity Association. It is a fruit that grows all around the country on roadsides. And it's this incredibly potent antioxidant that is equally stable. So it's potent, it's stable. That means that it will keep working on the skin when other ingredients tend to burn out. And, you know, at the heart of what we're doing is we're thinking about what will support the skin in the aging process. And the biggest issue um, that we want to address is inflammation, which is so true for the human body overall. You hear about inflammation all the time, right? So anti-inflammatories, but then also antioxidants. So I've just mentioned Chibula because antioxidants are what help to prevent the inflammation that causes aging. And so you know, for, for us, it's not about limiting ourselves in terms of number of ingredients, but really expanding and, and including anything that can help us in supporting skin with these sort of backdrops in mind. So lots of potent antioxidants from all around the world, astaxanthin, um, which is um, from a red pond algae, um, seed oils, red raspberry seed oil, blackberry seed oil, um, that abundance translates to products that offer so much for the skin. And I also love that we're able to harvest ingredients from all around the world, you know, harnessing that, that healing wisdom that, as you say, has been around for a long time. Um, you know, Cleopatra used rose essential oil on her skin and that is featured in our pure radiance oil, which is such a gorgeous nutritive product with lots of um, skin nourishing ingredients. Um, so that's why I feel that complex formulations can really, um, be ultra supportive of our very complex skin offering all of the different things that our skin needs, essential fatty acids, antioxidants, um, so that, you know, we can age as healthfully as possible. You know, and it's funny, when you were speaking, it made me think too about, and I, I'd be interested to see if you guys have seen this in your formulation. So we started our own sort of organic garden here last year and it was great. And then this year, my husband and I, over the winter, we'd watched like lots of videos on regenerative farming and, and 
like something we picked up on was actually the best gardens have so much biodiversity in them. So it's not just vegetables you're putting in. It's like flowers and herbs and all this stuff. So this year we just went crazy. I put in like nasturtiums and borage and calendula and I threw it all around. Like I put in chamomile and I threw it all around the vegetables and like the yield of this year's garden with all of this added in is incredible. Like, and I read that, you know, chamomile can help get pests out of cabbage naturally. And so we planted that next to it and it, it worked. Like it was true. We got the way they were eaten last year. They weren't this year. So in terms of how you guys just, cause obviously this idea of like permaculture and biodiversity is so prevalent within the regenerative movement. How do you guys see that? Like when you're doing formulations and stuff that plants actually work that there's kind of like kismet, you know, that like the plants can work really in harmony with another, like with each other and support one another. And that like, you know, what we see in the soil and the garden actually can really translate to what you're putting in an oil or a cleanser or whatnot. Definitely the combinations that we create can have a huge impact on the end result. And, you know, for us, we we create those combinations basic based on the latest anti-aging science. So we, we study anti-aging, we, we study the process of aging, and then we pull together the combinations that we think will have the biggest impact. And then ultimately, importantly, from our perspective, we do independent clinical trials to confirm our hunch that this is the combination that would have the biggest impact. And it's been so exciting to see that with these, you know, beautiful, sustainably sourced ingredients and the combinations that we've put together that we've been able to outperform the leading conventional brands, um, hands down every time we do it. And um, that's just so energizing. And it makes me very hopeful about the future because I feel like we're working really hard to break out of that box of, oh, that's really nice. Those are natural products, but we want results oriented products. And that's why we're just a hundred percent focused on the results because it's really ultimately that's what it's about for our consumers, which we understand and we want to deliver. And we can do that while considering all the things that we've talked about today, which we find really exciting. I love that. And I think, you know, this is such a full circle moment because I feel like from everything we've spoken about from regeneration to sort of global sourcing and what you're doing, it kind of leads me into my to my last question, which was about sort of, you know, your own personal focuses on what you can do to support. And I know you also mentioned that you were working with a female run organization in Africa that was helping them sort of um, engage in this level of farming and, and the results that you've seen from that. And I feel like it's such a beautiful example of, you know, something taking place here that can support and empower women, which is something I also feel very strongly about, you know, in another part of the world. So can you speak a little bit about that and, and sort of what you've seen with your support and collaboration of, of these women? Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because my, my interest in regenerative farming hubs came about because the team at Farmers Footprint has been so generous with me um, helping me to understand, you know, what are the benefits of regenerative farming? What are the challenges facing regenerative farmers and how can we support them through those challenges? And 
one concept that the farmer's footprint team introduced me to was the concept of a regenerative farming hub. For instance, when I told the story about my neighbor and her calendula, the first thing she had to figure out is how do I process this ingredient? And so if you have a hub that regenerative farmers can gather around, that they can use it for processing, to share farming stories and innovation, to learn about regenerative farming, that is certainly a way, you know, the hub that we're involved with in Africa um, serves over 800 farmers. And so what we've done so far is we have donated the solar that runs all of the equipment at the hub. And we're going to be getting involved in education and training and, and helping to support kitchen gardens, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, it's something that's personally, so far I've personally been the most involved and the team's really excited to um, get more involved I, I just really believe that supporting regenerative farming in the most climate challenged areas makes so much sense. And it's the right thing to do because, you know, helping, first of all, just helping these farmers um, achieve food security, you know, and, and making sure that they can feed their families as, as the beginning. And then also, you know, to be able to farm ingredients that we can use in the skincare industry. And I've already had a chance to speak with our manufacturers who are ready and really excited to purchase those ingredients. You know, it, it's, it's really speaking of flexing muscles, you know, it, it, it feels really exciting to be able to harness the interest in our country for supporting regenerative farming and to be able to so support farmers around the world is, is just very rewarding. And it feels like the right thing. And I'm excited about the impact I feel that we can have. That's amazing. And such a, such a powerful story of good, you know, translating through the world. And I guess it leads me very nicely into my last question, Hillary, which is what I'm asking all of our guests in this series. And that's just, you know, there's so many exciting things in the field of regeneration and it, it can feel really, really good because there's a lot of bad climate and other news. Um, but for you, what is the thing that's making you feel like the most hopeful in this space right now? I am so excited to see how much more awareness there is today than there was even two years ago. And as I mentioned earlier, this is what I saw with organic farming. And I'm absolutely seeing the same trend with regenerative farming, which is, you know, three years ago, I would have mentioned it and people would have said, what? And, you know, thankfully, there are organizations like Farmers Footprint that are working really hard to build awareness and understanding um, of, of why regenerative farming techniques can have a really positive impact. And it's happening. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, publications are interested in talking with me about regenerative farming and why we're prioritizing it as a business. And when I reached out to our manufacturers and I said, how interested would you be in a regenerative farm moringa oil from Africa? The, the answer was 100% interested. You know, this is something that because consumers are more interested, brands are more interested, and therefore the manufacturers are more interested. And so I think that consumer awareness and interest will help to continue to drive the change. And we just have to make sure to continue to support that building awareness and understanding of, of how this could have a huge impact. That's a perfect answer. So thank you so much, Hillary, for everything that you're doing and 
you know, for creating this beautiful skincare line and for supporting all these regenerative farmers along the way and for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Cora. It was really a pleasure and look forward to continuing the conversation.